Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Howdy doody, friends. How we diddly doing? Howdy doody, bestie. I have a bucket of cookies in front of me. I am ready to rock and roll. What kind of cookies? Ginger molasses from Claire Saffitt's dessert person. Oh, don't look at me like that. Don't you dare <laughs> look at me like that. They are so good. I'm not a molasses girly, but I'll take your word for it. Oh my God. I will have to make these for you when you come down because they will change your mind. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to this conversation we're about to have because we're fired up. <laughs> we are in rare form. So this was a conversation that normally Madison and I would have over voice notes, but we explicitly did not talk about this because we wanted to talk about it on the pod. We have been wanting to talk about just like the concept of twin flames and spiritual exploitation and just like the things that give us the ick in New Age spirituality for so long. And recently, the Netflix documentary Escaping Twin Flames came out and someone asked us about it. And Madison and I both watched it. And this feels like a serendipitous springboard to have a broader discussion about exploitation in the New Age community. Yeah, we talked about the documentary a lot, and I think we're going to kind of keep that to a minimum here. I highly recommend watching it. Trigger warning a lot of things. like look All into the trigger it. warnings. All yeah. the trigger warnings. But it is, in my opinion, a really well done documentary about a topic that we have touched a couple times in our conversations. And then every time we get too into it, we're like, we should, we just need to save it for the podcast. I know we need to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that we're finally doing it. It really did feel like the universe was like, please <laughs> rant. <laughs> rant. Uh, before we get started though, Madison, what was your magic moment of the week? My magic moment is that I turned 26 last week. Yay. On Thanksgiving, that only happens like every six to 10 years, I think it is based on when leap years fall. And so it hadn't happened since I turned 20. And this was the first time that my birthday fell on Thanksgiving that I was like a fully formed adult that didn't want to have the pressure to make plans for her birthday. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like not really a big birthday person for that reason. I hate the pressure of like, I have to plan this really excellent day. It's the same way I feel yeah. about New Year's Eve, you know, where like there's all that pressure to like kick off your year with the most spectacular, amazing time. It feels mm -hmm. the same way on your birthday and I just don't like it. And so I end up doing nothing. But all my plans were handled. And as I've gotten older, aging just feels like such a gift. Mm -hmm. And so it was just so lovely to reflect on the last year. Being 25 was without a doubt the best year of my life. And so, to just get to kick off 26 with all my people who mean the most to me in my family was like just a, such a lovely, a lovely little day. And thank you so much to everyone who messaged me. That was such a like a strange phenomenon that really warmed me up inside to get messages <laughs> from people who I know like I only know through this podcast to say happy birthday. That made me feel all warm and fuzzy. So if you messaged me, thank you so much. I can't wait to be 26 and see what happens. It's gonna be a fun year. I can't wait. What was your magic moment this week? Mine was an, a not magical moment that became magical. 
<laughs> how all the best magic moments start it's it's really not a magical moment on the surface it's just sort of like reflecting on wow what would it be like if I went through this magic moment a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and seeing just like the growth and how much the practice that I have now really supports me in all areas of my life so if if you listen to the pod you know I have two dogs Woody and Hercules love them to pieces they're both the sweetest little boys They also really love each other. And so over the weekend, they were playing outside in the yard and Woody got a boo-boo. He got, he sliced his ear. We're not sure if it was like a tree branch or the fence or Hercules. Like, we don't know. It was not like an aggressive play. It was just they were running around and then Woody was bleeding. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) it's not funny, but like. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not funny, but he was fine. Like he didn't even know. Like he usually he like yelps if you look at him wrong and he was like <laughs> like he was a happy little boy about it. He was fine. So that's why I'm like laughing cuz he I knew he was okay and he wasn't in pain. But he apparently dog ears just like bleed like nothing else because we tried wrapping it. We tried like stopping the bleeding. And he's also a head shaker. So he was just like shaking blood everywhere and like shaking off band-aids and we didn't know what to do. So I brought him into the emergency vet because he was after like a half an hour, he was still bleeding. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take him in because I don't want to worry about this. And as I'm sitting there, they brought him out back uh, and they left me like in the room. And as I'm sitting there, I was like, I feel like really calm about this. And I realized that was like the first time in a long time that I I think I felt really calm in the face of like a, a an emergency, right? Mm-hmm. It was, we were at the emergency vet. It was like a Saturday night. And it was because I was sort of reflecting on like, what were the steps that I took when this incident happened to when I realized I was calm? And it was like, okay, on the ride up, I was doing Reiki on myself and- you know, I was doing some some deep breathing uh, <laughs> while we were waiting and, you know, just like really being present in the moment and not thinking about worst case scenario, which is not usual for me. Usually I just go to disaster land and hang out there. But I was really just like, OK, right now, like, what can I do? And I really think that's a testament to the practices that we preach is like that's what they're meant for. They're meant for those times when shit hits the fan, right? You have the capacity to kind of like take a breath and go, okay, what can I do about this right now that is going to be the next best step forward? And I feel like I was really present in that place with him. He's fine, by the way. He has to wear a bonnet for a few days. He's very much not happy about it, but he's totally fine. Um, They were able to like glue the ear so he didn't have to be sedated or get stitches or anything. But yeah, it was just one of those moments where I was like, wow, if this had happened, you know, even just a couple of years ago, I don't think I would have handled it as well. This is me making a public plea for you to post a photo of Woody in his bonnet because it is so silly. Once you know that he's okay, it is so silly and so funny and also so adorable. And so this is me asking if you'll post it on the Instagram. I will. I will. By the time y'all listen to this, he will be out of his bonnet and he's very embarrassed by it. But he looks like, just to give you a a visual, he looks like uh, the way I've been describing it is like an astronaut in their little space hat before they put their helmet on. (laughs) I didn't know where you were going with that, Uh but I'm so glad we got to where we went. In the end, (laughs) that was a really good analogy. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about this. Let's, Let's get fired up. 
So if you have not seen this documentary, it's called Escaping Twin Flames. We are not going to go in the weeds of everything in this documentary because it's only it's only three episodes. So it's like a docu-series that you can binge watch in a day if you want to. But it is essentially about these two people, this couple that create a spiritual community and then it becomes a spiritual church. And then there's some cult-like things that happen. Allegedly. This is all allegedly. This is all allegedly. This is all in our opinion based off of what we saw in the Netflix documentary. Yeah. Just to to cover our ass. Uh, It's all alleged. Please don't sue me, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, But there are people who are alleging that they were, um, you know, forced to stay in abusive relationships in an effort to maintain their what do they call it? Like harmonious union with their twin flame? Yeah, their harmonious union. So the goal of this community is to support you in finding your twin flame. That's how it seems like it started. And then it seems to have grown into allegedly a situation in which these two people are assigning twin flames to people in the effort to reach what they call harmonious union, which I guess is like spiritual marriage. That was like kind of what I interpreted it is it's like, you've done it. You've not only have you met your twin flame, but you are in a relationship. But then like the thing that icks me out about it, and this was like in the first episode is like, you have to stay with that person and chase that person no matter what. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. people were violating protection orders. People were doing stalking behaviors. People were like staying with abusive situations. It was like very, very much like this controlling, not good situation. Yes. And they use this tactic that I've seen different variances of in different communities of varying levels of ick me out factors. <laughs> That's a technical exercise. Term. Yeah, it's in the dictionary. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's called the mirror exercise. And it's essentially where you look at yourself in the mirror and any issue that you have with the external world, you are meant to turn it back on yourself. And it's a really excellent form of manipulation because if you ever see a problem with your twin flame, so for example, if you're being abused, you look in the mirror and you say, this person is abusing me. The mirror exercise asks you to change that statement into I am abusing myself. Yeah, And you're meant to always find the problem within yourself. It's self-improvement to a level that really upsets me and I can't talk too much about it. (laughs) And it's like, it's such a manipulative tactic in these high control groups because if you have a problem with anything that the leader is doing, then that problem is actually you. Like you are trained and groomed to basically think anything. Any, it's it's almost like the biggest thing I have an issue with, which I feel like is going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode, is this is a community that asks you to bypass your own truth and believe what you are told and believe the information that you are fed verbatim or else something is wrong with you. And mm-hmm. that's the part that, that's where we get into manipulation, exploitation, abuse. Like that that is the part that is gross and icky and all of that. And the mirror exercise is like how they do that. And their their tool to get people into that place of disempowerment so that they can have full control over them. Yeah. So if you're listening to this being like, oh my God, how could anyone think that someone else can tell you essentially like who their soulmate is? Watch like watch the documentary. Yeah. It's it is really, really scary and interesting 
in the worst way. Yeah. And they're very much like preying on vulnerable populations, people who are in desperation, people who are in financial desperation because they have like a coaching program. So I know there was like one where the woman was like, I had to spend like tens of thousands of dollars to become a coach. And Jeff just said, put it on a credit card, which is like a manipulation Mm -hmm. tactic that we see even outside of the spiritual community in like just like online coaching communities and MLMs, Mm. like because then you are bought into it. Then you are like stuck financially, Mm -hmm. which is another form of abuse. Yeah. So watching this documentary really, we were riled up and it finally got to me me to the place of Molly, we have to talk about twin flames because I think that this use of the term twin flame to – it, to a sense that is harmful, is older than this organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this organization I don't think would exist without that term being what it is now. Mm-hmm. We did look up the internet definition of what a twin flame is. So if you're really lost here, Molly, <laughs> what does Google say a twin flame is? A twin flame is a new age concept that describes a certain intense connection between two individuals who are supposedly, quote, Two halves of one whole. Which immediately gross. Gross. Immediately no. I wanna I wanna just like frame this in case this is your first episode listening to us. Madison and I are very much like uh, uh, the tagline of this podcast could be like, do what feels right for you. We're very mm-hmm. much in the business of my belief is that your spiritual practice is meant to help connect you with your true authentic self. And so anything we say never supersedes that. We are always inviting you to turn inward and ask yourself, does this feel right for me? Which is why these things piss us off so much because they are in direct opposition of that. I also, like if you're new to me, I get real fired up about this because I worked with survivors of sexual violence for nine years of my life. And so a lot of the abuse tactics that I would see in my clients that were used on my clients are used in these spiritual spaces and a lot of the minimization and blame gets put on survivors and people who are in this in these situations. So that's the framework we're coming from. But the reason that I hate this definition and twin flames in general have never resonated with me is because I don't believe that we as humans are not whole just as we are. Mm -hmm. Like I think that is... When we think of, oh, I need someone else to make me whole, that is a recipe for manipulation and abuse. That is yeah, like that is what what abusers use is them telling you that you are not enough without them or you are not X without them. You will not be able to X without them, whatever it is. And I think the purpose of a spiritual practice is to remind you of your inherent wholeness just as you are. Like you are worthy mm-hmm. of everything just as you are. You are whole on your own already right now. You don't need another person to become quote unquote whole. Yeah, I think that abusive people, I mean, we know this, that abusers look for people that they can, people who hold certain beliefs who they can manipulate, mm-hmm. you know, and it's teaching people to have that frame of mind is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing this really before I had any idea about this Twin Flames universe situation. I saw this a lot on TikTok, spiritual TikTok. And the way that I've seen these twin flames described is a karmic relationship that is 
super passionate, super like high highs and low lows, like basically describing a toxic relationship without saying a toxic relationship. Yeah. But it's towards the greater good of your spiritual journey. And to me, I believe in karmic relationships, right? Like I believe that people come in and out of our lives for a reason and that we learn from those relationships. I'm not saying that that's outside of my belief system. I What I am saying is that no one who hurts you is good for your path. No. There is no pain that you should commit to in the effort of spiritual healing. Yeah. There is no behavior you should excuse mm-hmm. in the effort of spiritual growth. Yeah. there's. It's just such a – it's – it's a tool of minimizing abuse, right? Because a lot of times I see it as like, oh, like this happened and this happened, but they're my twin flames, so I've got to let it go. I got to f- see how this plays out. And it's like, no. There is mm-hmm. there is enough media and sort of social constructs that minimize abuse as it is, that blame victims for the abuse that they've experienced as it is. That we don't need it in the spiritual community. And yet, mm-hmm. the spiritual community, I see it so often, is because there is a vulnerability to it. Because mm-hmm. when people are seeking a spiritual path, there is this like vulnerability, right? Like anyone who's gone through a spiritual awakening knows that you're searching for answers. You're searching for help. And if someone holds their hand out and says, I have the answers for you, you're going to grab that hand. And if when you grab that hand, they start to teach you to not listen to your inner guidance, to not listen to when things don't feel good and to just chase your twin flame no matter what because you have to see this play out, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how we work as humans. Like we are we are programmed as tribal beings, so we want to belong. And that's why these communities can get away with it for so long is because it's just ingrained in their their dogma and ingrained in their like belief system that by the time you realize something's up, it's it's difficult to get out. It's almost like, you know, the the statistic is when someone wants to leave an abusive relationship, it takes them seven tries to leave. And it's the most volatile, most dangerous time mm-hmm. in the relationship is when they're trying to leave. And it's the same thing with these high control groups is it can take time and time and time because they very strategically strip you of your resources, both outside yourself and inside yourself. And especially with people who are having that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience, you hear these terms like twin flame and you take them as gospel. You know, it's like, oh, I have a twin flame. That person is out there. I have to have that experience. Mm -hmm. I have to be with that person. And the truth is like all of these terms that we use are just words. Like they're just things we made up to give name to experiences that we are having. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is like my hottest take that as we like got ready to record, I was a little nervous to talk about because I am afraid. Like twin flame is a term that we invented to give power to toxic relationships. Yeah. To validate those toxic relationships and to allow ourselves to be in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do not need to have a relationship with a toxic person. You do not need to have a quote-unquote twin flame to be a spiritual being, Mm -hmm. period. 
And anyone who tells you otherwise, I'd be really, really weary of that person. Mm -hmm. And this isn't to say that people who have held that belief or do hold that belief are bad people. There are people in that documentary who I believe are bad people. I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about them. I will not name their names. But there are some bad people in that documentary, allegedly, in my opinion. But when I look at people who really believe that the relationship that they're experiencing outside of this twin flame universe situation, I see people who believe that they're experiencing a twin flame relationship and are undermining themselves and their worth and their needs for the sake of that relationship. I'm not saying that like you're a shitty bad person or that something's wrong with you either too. Like I think that there is a level, it's a societal level. Honestly, Mm -hmm. another hot take, a lot of these things that I see in New Age spirituality are evangelical Christian beliefs repackaged and made spiritual. Even when you watch the documentary, they'll talk about – and like you'll see people online in spiritual spaces talk about the divine masculine and the divine feminine. It's literally just traditional gender roles (laughs) repackaged and called spiritual. And it others. Like it's it's designed to be othering, mm-hmm. right? Because okay, so here's here's a cute little thing about our brains. This is this is brought up a lot in marketing psychology, but when we have a common enemy, we come together as a group. And so what happens in these high control groups, right? For this one in particular, allegedly, according to the documentary, they had these very strict beliefs on like that you are either a divine feminine or a divine masculine. Mm-hmm. What does that do? Is it others, people who don't believe that? And it creates like people get real fired up. Think about a belief that you hold really strongly. Maybe it's a political belief. When you meet someone that has that same belief as you, you instantly have a connection with them. Mm -hmm. When you meet someone who believes the opposite of you, you instantly, it's like magnets repelling. And so high control groups and and spiritual exploitation oftentimes will make these dogmatic, meaning always or never ideations that have no wiggle room, that have no gray area, so that they can bring these groups together and create those really, really tight belief systems and tight bonds so that they're never questioned. And the divine masculine, divine feminine is one of those because it others people who don't believe in that gender binary. It others people who believe that you can have different gender roles, that gender roles don't have to exist, right? That you can look a certain way and be a different gender or whatever, right? Like being non-binary, being trans, like not dressing the way that your gender is quote unquote supposed to, right? All of those beliefs become others. And then this high control group can kind of lean on their own belief and and very clearly see like, oh, you know, in the documentary, it was like all these families were being ripped apart because they didn't believe they didn't have the same belief systems. And so the people in the the group were trained to basically think like, oh, your parents don't believe in that. So they're trying to break apart your twin flame connection or whatever. And it's just like we see this type of manipulation in all these different areas of human nature. But I think it's especially especially important to look out for in in the spiritual community because there is that vulnerability and that desperation that can happen when we first enter spiritual spaces. I'm experiencing the full range of human emotion again. I'm just thinking about it. I'm sorry. I I can't even think of anything (laughs) constructive to say because I'm like, I'm thinking about this documentary and I'm feeling so angry. (laughs) This is what I feared would happen when we said we would record this episode. I'm like, I'm just going to get too riled up and be thinking about too much at once. Let me center myself. (laughs) 
yeah, the family aspect of the documentary really, really upset me as well. Like, it's the same thing that we see in a lot of documentaries about alleged cults, mm-hmm. where the belief is like, or the the indoctrination is your family doesn't understand, your family doesn't believe you. Mm-hmm. And there's this one really poignant moment where a woman is talking to her mom and you see her like snap out of it when her mom just says, like when her mom just doesn't fight. Mm-hmm. She just, she go, she literally said, she goes, my mom didn't disagree with me. She didn't fight with me. She just asked me logical questions. Yeah. She said, do you believe this because you feel this way or do you believe this because they told you? Mm-hmm. And she's just honest and she says, I believe it because they told me to. Yeah. And that, that separation from your family, it's a common abuse tactic. Like if we look in domestic violence, that's one of the first first things that happens is that isolation mm-hmm. because then like the whole thing of of exploitation is removing your autonomy, removing your power, removing your control over your situation. And so when we remove your family, when you are isolated from your friends, now you don't have anyone to talk to outside of this this group. So you don't have any any beliefs coming at you that are outside of what you're being told. And if you do want to leave, your finances are now wrapped up in this, right? You might have credit card debt. You don't have anywhere to go. You don't have a family that you can crash with, right? Like that isolation is such a huge part of that control. And so I think, you know, one of the things we want to do with this episode, besides just like air our grievances about this and hear your (laughs) takes on this, but we really wanted to give you some tools to look out for spiritual exploitation, sort of like red flags to perk up about. And I think one of them, the the big overarching one is anytime there's a dogmatic principle. So like you have to do this, you should do this. It's always this. It's never this. Question that. Question mm-hmm. that, especially if it goes to the point where you are being asked to bypass your own intuition or bypass your own thoughts and feelings about things, question that first and foremost. Yeah. Anytime someone else's opinion or belief or instruction is meant to supersede what you believe is best for you, that is not someone who has your best interest at heart. Yeah. That is not someone who cares about your spiritual growth or your spiritual experience, or just your personhood, right? Like, yeah, that's not someone who, that's not someone worth listening to, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to echo this again. I know we, we've said it a million times. We said it earlier in this episode, but the purpose of your spiritual practice and your spiritual journey is to connect you with your true authentic self. If we look at every Every form of spirituality on the planet, that is the path. Mm-hmm. That is the path. And so if someone or a group or a teaching is not walking you down that path, question it. Mm-hmm. And to take it even further, your purpose as a person is not to find romantic love. That is not the only thing that you will do worth doing in your life. I, that's another mm-hmm. thing I hate about twin flame ideology. Yeah. Is that that relationship is meant to supersede all other relationships in your life. Your purpose can be the loving relationship you have with your friends. 
your purpose can be the loving relationship you have with yourself or your family or your job. You know, like you can have a purpose outside of another person being in love with you. Yeah. And I also think too, like not to get too existential about it, but the more connected you are with your authentic self, the more you're going to attract someone who Mm -hmm. is the right fit for you and not just like someone who's going to be you know, exploitative or manipulative Mm -hmm. or passionate or whatever for the sake of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This idea that like, there's just so much about it. There's this idea that like you have this one karmic relationship that no matter what happened, like it's, there's an underlying theme here, even outside of the documentary, outside of that group, that your relationship with your twin flame is more important than your relationships with other people in your life. And that really gets me. Mm-hmm. I think especially because if you watch the documentary, you'll see they talk about it, that most of the members of the group are women. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is fed to us. It seems like from the moment we pop out of the womb, you know, is this idea that you are not, you are incomplete. This idea that the most important relationship you have with another person will be the relationship that you have with your romantic partner, almost always a man, mm-hmm. you know, when people are talking about it this way. And it really frustrates and saddens me to see people who are on the path towards opening up to different ways of thinking, mm-hmm. who when you have this spiritual experience, when you have a spiritual awakening, it's meant to, a lot of people have this goal of removing themselves from the ideologies that they grew up with that have been harmful to them. And so to see people use those same ideologies and twist them around and make them feel like they're a spiritual experience. Yeah. It is just so upsetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I was truly, I told you this, I was sitting in my house with my, I was making my boyfriend watch this documentary with him, his poor soul. And I'm just shouting. I look. Mm-hmm. I actually looked at him in a real, genuine voice. I looked at him. I said, "Something must be done." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "We have to do. Like, we have to go. We have to go somewhere and do something." I'm like, "We have to call the president." Yeah, because I can't. Like, it, it upset me so deeply. Anyways, that's my soapbox. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna rapid fire some things that I think are really important to look out for some red flags, green flags, and then you can give me your list and we can compare. Does that work? Yeah. I don't know if I, you're going to have way more than me. This is where I love working with you <laughs> is I'm like, Molly's going to come in with the real tangible things that we can focus on, things that we can give. And I'm just going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is like the perfect intersection of like my two passions. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like preventing interpersonal violence and helping you find your your path home to yourself in spirituality. I've riled myself up so much that I have to have a cookie. So I'm going to I'm going to have a ginger molasses cookie while you give your red and green flags. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. I support that. A little treat magic. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I urge you to look out for is a my way or the highway approach. So I, my belief, these are just my beliefs, take them or leave them, but a good spiritual teacher should be open and curious to their own belief system. 
so let me give you an example of this. Um, I the other day I I made a post about the full moon and I was like the full moon's like a really great time for release you know because that that is part of my belief system and someone in the comments was like I'm an astrologer and actually it's a good time it's a better time for like connecting and and calling in and I was like oh that's so interesting tell me more about that right like there's this curiosity that we can bring when someone approaches us with an idea that doesn't align with our own versus if I were to take like a dogmatic approach, I'd be like, you're wrong. It's for release. What you know is wrong. Like I would do some gaslighting. I'm not like, I can't even like, (laughs) I can't even pretend to know how to do it because I'm just like, my my go-to is always curiosity. Another thing that I look out for is when spiritual teacher tells you what your experience should be like. Okay, Mm -hmm. so like sometimes this can be, like people don't even realize that they're doing it. You know, like if you've ever been to a yoga class and the yoga teacher is like, this should feel really rejuvenating, really relaxing. And you're like, my hips hurt, right? Like that is like, you know, not not what I'm talking about here. This is like when, when someone says to you, you going through this twin flame experience is in the best interest of your soul. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Is that true? How can you possibly know that? Because here's the thing is no teacher, no matter how many years they've been practicing, no matter how much they know, no matter how many hours of training they have under their belt, none of them are going to know you better than you ever, ever. And so as a teacher, I can't possibly know what your experience is. All I can do is ask questions and use my curiosity to open your curiosity. I think, you know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about skepticism, but, you know, when when we are not in an element of curiosity, we're in an element of judgment. And that othering comes from that judgmental path rather than the curious path. So I think if there is an element of you not being allowed to be curious or your curiosity not being encouraged, that's a red flag for me. Mm-hmm. You summed it up really nicely. Really, what I want to say is that I give a lot of grace. I feel like I it's easy to sound judgmental when you're on the outside of that situation. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to give the, I guess, what's a disclaimer called when it's at the end? <laughs> the disclaimer that I know we both do hold a lot of grace for people who are experiencing a relationship that feels, trust me, if I had had access to the term twin flame, even as early as like two, three years ago, I probably would have taken it and ran with it mm-hmm. and used it in that same way that I'm describing. And that's why I'm talking about it the way that I'm talking about it. And so if you are in a relationship that feels like a twin flame and it has that intensity that you hear people talk about and it feels spiritually significant, I hold a lot of grace for that. and. Nothing is wrong with you. And you haven't done anything bad. Mm -hmm. But if you hear these red flags and they relate to that relationship that you're in, please just noodle on it. Yeah. Because you do deserve better and you do deserve love that feels good. Yeah. And I think overall, I want to be really clear that 
when someone falls prey to some of these tactics, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's not your fault if you feel like you followed someone else's belief system or you followed the twin twin flame belief system or whatever. Like, there's very much this element of, like, when you are seeking spiritual support, you are in a position where someone can take advantage of that mm-hmm. because there's like this, I mean, I, I always like teach my students when I teach trauma-informed Reiki, like the first thing we need to do is dismantle the perceived hierarchy between Reiki practitioner and client because oftentimes when people come for spiritual support, energetic support, whatever in this space is they come like looking up. You know, Mm -hmm. they sort of have this like mentality of like, you're the guru, you're the fixer, I'm here, tell me what to do. And I think that's where this exploitation begins, is the person in that position of power, that teacher, that practitioner, whatever, has the choice, has the choice. They have a choice to either dismantle that hierarchy and encourage you to turn inward to encourage you to amplify your curiosity or they have the choice to disempower you and they are the ones making that choice. It is not your fault mm-hmm. if you are the one being disempowered. They are the ones who have a choice and they are choosing to disempower you. That is how abuse works. The abuser mm-hmm. makes a choice and uh, that's my soapbox. Yeah, so when we have this like this energy it is at the abusers it is at the exploiters yes it is not at victims yeah i feel very protective of like i don't know i feel like all of you listening i feel like mama bear protective of just because like i know how easy it is to fall prey to this i know because i hear it from all of you people who message me and say like Oh my god, my 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 crystal got wet. Is it going to curse me or I bought Moldavate and is my dog going to die? Like this messaging is pervasive. Mm-hmm. And that's why Madison and I are here. That's why we're constantly telling you to turn inward. That's why if you DM us and you ask us a very specific question of like is this good or is this bad, we probably respond with the question to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're always our whole goal with this platform is to help you look within. And to help you, like, I always say, like, the goal of a teacher is to become less and less necessary. When you're an exploitive cult leader, your goal is to become solely necessary. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So long story short, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you've watched the documentary, we would love to talk about it. <laughs> Please. 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 Send us a DM. I'm running out of people in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you are as fired up about it um, as us, please let us know. If you have thoughts, feelings that we missed, please also let us know. I feel like sometimes when we're in a blind rage, it can hard for us to be organized. It can hard for us to organize. See? Like uh-huh. the sentence alone. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. So anyways, we hope this helps you either validate something you were already feeling or help you become curious about your own relationship to spirituality, curiosity, yourself, 
Yeah. And if you want to hear us talk more about our quote unquote spiritual hot takes, we have a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, so let us know if you liked this blind rage format. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it again. Next time we get riled up about something. Okay, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.